Welcome to LilyPod episode 48, Keeping Christ in Christmas. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. This week, we'd like to give you a little spiritual renewal with regards to the reason for the season. Yeah, every year at Christmas, it seems like we uh, we hear a, a clarion call from various people to avoid the commercialism of Christmas and remember the true meaning and so forth. And yet, uh, every year, the commercial side of it gets bigger and bigger, it seems. Uh, in my lifetime, we've seen the Black Friday phenomenon arise and people waiting in line for two or three days uh, before Thanksgiving and through Thanksgiving and giving up Thanksgiving to save 200 bucks on a TV. I don't get it. But anyway, we want to talk about why we like this season of the year and what it means to us. And I was looking at Luke 2, which is the version of Christ's birth that we most often quote and of course, we know this story. Uh, Mary and Joseph returned to the city of David, which is Jerusalem, or sorry, Bethlehem, which is near Jerusalem. It's kind of like a sister city to it almost. Um, and he was sent, or they were sent there uh, for the essentially a census uh, where they were going to be counted. And it talks about how they, uh, the time came for her to deliver her, her baby, which of course was Jesus Christ. And it says in verse seven, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So, so many things about all the nativity sets that we set up every Christmas come from this one verse. Um, the baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and, you know, of course, they're out in a barn because there's no room for them in the inn, and presumably the reason there was no room was that they were, um, they were traveling, and many people were traveling to fulfill this decree by Augustus Caesar, uh, that everyone should be numbered and taxed. And so, so much of what we know about that, that moment comes from that one verse. The next portion of the story, I believe, is also inspiring. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And I, I wonder what that glory was that 
came upon them and shone round about them? Was it light? Was it some sort of other heavenly manifestation? It doesn't say, uh, but it says that that they were shepherds in that same country. So they were shepherds outside of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And, and uh, apparently it was something so unusual that they were afraid. And what's the first thing the angel says to them? Fear not. And I think when we think about keeping Christ in Christmas, keeping Christ in our lives, perhaps the first thing we want to remember is the admonition of these angels that said, fear not. And it says, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And I think all people includes all people. It includes those that had lived before the time of Christ, those who came after him, including us. It includes mid-singles and of any variety, divorced, widowed, not yet married. It includes all of us. It includes the remarried. It includes the, those that have been divorced multiple times. These good tidings of great joy are for everyone. And he's telling everyone, the angel is telling everyone, fear not. And it says, I'm going to give you good tidings of great joy, and then which shall be to all people. And... Then it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Again, that's repeated to the shepherds. And that's where we get some of our ideas about what the nativity might have looked like. And then... It says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so, of course, the shepherds went down to, to look for the Christ child, to, to look for the Savior, the Savior that had been born that day. So they knew they were looking for a baby. And, and so the shepherds went into Bethlehem looking for him. But I want to go back to this, again, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. These tidings were accompanied by glory. And uh, it was some kind, something that would have impressed upon their minds that this was a unique and singular event. What has that been in your life that testifies to you that this baby that was born on that day over 2,000 years ago was the Savior? Uh, Kathy, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, 
Well, <clears throat> I think Christmas is a time of year when we can experience a special kind of peace and a special kind of goodwill in the energy of the community and all of us, all of the surrounding uh, people and movement in our lives. And I think in, in large part, that's because we're celebrating him and because we're celebrating him and he brought peace and goodwill and glory, then we just get a taste of that at Christmas time. I mean, hopefully all year long, but kind of especially at Christmas. Right. Yes. Yeah, so those tidings of peace and joy, they are for us today as well. And of course, the shepherds then, they said, we're going to you know, let, let us go down to Bethlehem and, and find this thing. And verse 16 says, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I can't imagine Bethlehem was a very big city uh, because they're going there to find people that don't live there who, in fact, were uh, staying that night in, in a, a barn or someplace where there was a manger. In large part because they didn't do online taxes. <laughs> right. I've always thought about that. <laughs> and what if they had online taxes? I guess then they'd also have a hospital and that's where he would have been born. <laughs> or in their home in Nazareth or something. Yeah. But it was quite a distance from Nazareth to the city of David. In any event, I think it's, it's kind of an interesting little word to say they came with haste. And how many of us, when we learn of Christ, come to him with haste that you realize this is really, really important. And, you know, they wanted to get there and, and find this child, which is the Messiah, the Savior, before perhaps he and his parents have gone back to where they came from. You know, I was just thinking about haste. We know that he already lived and died for us. And so maybe we just take for granted that it's already there and we can come anytime where, where, where they were present when he was here in this life on earth. And uh, what do you think about making haste about something that's already happened, that he's not here right now? Right, and the, the sacrifice of Christ and his mission, of course, is eternal. It was not time-bound by the specific moment that he lived on the earth. But I think the haste is important because of the importance of the message. And that as, you know, there's a lot of things we're hasty about during the holidays, getting a tree up and getting the lights up and the decorations and Christmas shopping and getting a gift for everyone we intend to and all of those things. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for a little commercialism in my Christmas. Well, and for all of that, uh, when we're <clears throat> buying for other people and wrapping and, and, and visiting is all goodwill. Right. But yeah, it seems that maybe our challenge in these days is to make a little bit more haste for him. Right. And also to balance that throughout the year with right. our time and our attention. Right. 
And, you know, I don't know why the angels chose to appear to these shepherds out in the fields of all the people that they could have gone to the king, King Herod. Um, There's any number of influential people they could have gone to and given this message. And yet they chose these agrarian people out watching sheep in the fields. Maybe those people were the people that would be humble enough to actually seek after Christ. And we should think of that, too. Um, as we uh, as we welcome the baby Jesus again every year into our hearts, um, that that's something we can think about. Why why did the angels come to shepherds? Now, I will say, verse seventeen says, and when they, meaning the shepherds, had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So once they had discovered Christ and were convinced that he was the Messiah, they went out and bore their testimonies to everyone they could about the importance of this child. Uh, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. And I I want to, if you have the Latter-day Saint version of the King James Bible, it shows in... Uh, verse 18, footnote A, that wondered is really a, a Greek word that meant marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So it's not that they questioned it as much as that they believed it and it was marvelous. And another interesting thing about Mary, a singular person chosen to give birth to the Son of God, says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Gives me a a sense that maybe she was a very humble person, a private person in a way. Maybe even soft-spoken. Right. Um, what, What is your thought about how she kept these things, all of these things, and pondered them in her heart? I think she wasn't a big talker. I think she had a lot to ponder with the role that she was given. I mean, I don't think any woman on this earth can imagine what it would be like to conceive the way she did. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't pretend to know exactly how that happened, but um, but, uh, I do agree that she was probably not a big talker, not a person who would brag, uh, a humble person, and yet with a depth of spirituality as she pondered these things in her heart. And it, I think it's, it's instructive that it says she pondered them in her heart because the heart in the scriptures tends to represent the emotional side of us and the spiritual side of us, the side of us that feels things. So it wasn't that she just pondered them in her mind, but she pondered them with the spirit and with her feelings as well. And and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So so, uh, they carried that, that feeling with them as they went back to work. after witnessing this, one of the most singular events in the history of the world, 
And the, the scripture talks about how in eight days the child was to be circumcised. I think that's an interesting number because now we baptize children after eight years. Um, and of course, in those days, circumcision was a sign of the covenant between God and man. And that was done away with after Christ came. But he was circumcised uh, as a sign that he was a child of the covenant. Um, and they called his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is a Greek name. And they, the translators of the Bible translated the word Yeshua to Jesus because it was the closest Greek name they could find to it. And that made its way into the King James Bible, which we use. But he would have been called Yeshua or Yeshua in his time. It's the same name that in the Old Testament was translated Joshua. And that's kind of interesting, too, because Joshua was the prophet of the Old Testament that led the children of Israel into the promised land. And so that's uh, an interesting, you know, Christ type in the Old Testament. And apparently they were told to name him Yeshua. It says the child which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So apparently Mary was told by the angel Gabriel, this child's name will be Yeshua. And so they, uh, they went to the, to the city of Jerusalem and offered sacrifices. Um, once Mary had gone through her period of purification under Jewish law, and there was a man there named Simeon. And it, said, it calls Simeon just and devout. And Kathy, what do those words mean to you? Fairly rule-oriented? <laughs> sounds like it. He was very devoted to God's laws, and he was just, meaning he, he probably followed the law, followed the rules. Uh, but he had been waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And you may, you may remember that when this child was brought to the temple um, and that, that Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, let us now thy servant depart in peace. He means literally, let me die. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Again, we're, we're learning that this gift is for all people. People that have been divorced five times. People that have lost their, their spouse to death. Go, go to, you know, think of any different combination of things we would consider tragedies. And this is uh, to be seen by all people. 
a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You know, in a world that's so divided right now, right? it's really, how do I, I'm, I'm not even sure what word to put with it, but it's, it's pretty amazing that we have this one thing in common. All of us need the Savior, and he came to this world for all of us. Right. It's the one thing we all have in common no matter what. That's right. Our need for him and the opportunity to have him in our hearts and in our lives. To skip to the end of, of Luke 2, um, in this chapter covers Jesus's entire childhood, and much of it is consumed with his birth and the, the miraculous manifestations that surrounded it, as well as um, the few days after when he went to the temple and was, um, you know, and Simeon recognized him as the, the Lord's Christ. Um, and then it talks about the familiar story where Jesus uh, was in the temple teaching and people were astonished by him and so forth when he was a young man. Some people think that may have been his bar mitzvah. I don't know, but interesting idea. In any case, he was he was uh, sitting in the midst of the temple and in the midst of the, the, the learned men, and they were astonished by how much he knew as a, a young boy. And And then it simply says at the end of this chapter, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And we've we've talked about this verse in another podcast, but it but Jesus increased in wisdom as is evident by his experience in the temple. And and he was growing in wisdom, which which is an important thing to realize. People say that he lived a perfect life. Maybe he lived a sinless life, but he wasn't always a perfect person. In this verse it talks about how he was growing in wisdom well, and I stature it depends on how you define perfection right right i think he was perfect at each moment along his development journey but it didn't mean he came as a baby and just knew how to do everything right he increased in wisdom and stature and so wisdom is is in the mind right um well and and perfection is wholeness right right and wholeness would be wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. It would be all of those things. Wisdom is is uh, good judgment, uh, which is developed in your mind. Mm. Yeah, and he knew his mission. Right. Stature, of course, physically he grew and became stronger as, as he grew up. Uh, that's the physical side of his being. And, and in favor with God is, of course, his spiritual side, his spirituality, and his favor with man, of course, is his social side, uh, which enabled him to be a missionary and uh, to, to spread his message effectively as well. And I think we can follow this example, too. We can increase in wisdom. We can take care of our physical health. Uh, and we can grow in favor with God by becoming more spiritual and improving our spiritual practices and in favor with man by, by the social side of our being. And, I love uh, that. I don't think I'd ever really seen that in that verse. That's great. 
So yeah, it talks about how Jesus grew in every way that it's important for us to do self-care and take care of ourselves. And it's another another thing we can uh, we can think about during this season. You know, I just thought of that word. What's that? Unification. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that Jesus came to earth and he died for all of us and we all need him is something that can unify us in a world 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 full of conflicting opinions conflicting viewpoints things that we can we have so many things we can argue about but this is the one thing that so many of us can agree on right i remember joseph smith saying have the baptists any truth have the methodists and he goes through a number of other people And he says, of course, they all have some. And he said, we will basically take the truth from every other tradition, from everybody else that has it. And and those are adopted and become part of the gospel. And and he said that that would form a welding link between all people. Now, that dream has not fully been realized uh, in in our world ever, uh, including in our own time. But... It is a nice thought and feeling that even with Christians of other faiths and, uh, you know, when we talk about these good tidings of great joy shall be to all people, they're even to Muslims and Buddhists and and they're to everyone. And so uh, Christ is infinite and eternal and his message is too. That's beautiful. Well, we really hope that you felt the spirit as we talked about the story of Christ, his birth, his his life as a young person, and that it gave you just a little bit of spiritual boost during this busy, hasteful time. Right. And we hope that you understand, based on what we've talked about that if you're a mid-single and you got kids, or if you don't too, but if you have kids and things are disjointed because you're not spending the holiday with your spouse or don't have a spouse, or because or or if you don't have children that you and, and, and would have hoped by this time in your life you had children to spend Christmas with, what whatever makes the holidays feel disjointed for you at this time. Remember that the joy of the season is in Christ and that his love, his message, his mission was good tidings of great joy to all people and that you're one of those. And it's right there for the taking if you reach out and take it. Remember, any time, especially the holidays, is a great time for more love in your life. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.